Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dream Job with Danielle Kobo. I am your host, Danielle Kobo, and today's guest is Amanda Rodner, is an award-winning sales leader in the aesthetic device and surgical space. She has a diverse background in marketing, finance, product launches, and sales force development. In addition, she worked for the, some of the top aesthetic companies on the market, including Metasys, Allergan, Mentor, and Endo Aesthetics. She started her career as an individual contributor in the injectable division, then in OR sales, before she climbed the corporate ladder to management. Now, Amanda is the West Area Director for Indo Aesthetics, an innovative company creating a new segment in the aesthetic place, Dissolving Cellulite, which I'm sure most women would like to have. So thank you so much for joining today, Amanda. Hi, Danielle. Nice to see you. Nice well, I've had the pleasure of working with you for mm-hmm. some time in the aesthetic space. Tell us a little bit. You've had a very successful career in medical aesthetics over the past 20 years. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you're at today. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I always tell people, like, you know, it was a very, very diverse background. And before that, I was in real estate development, which funny enough, I actually think really prepared me for a lot in the aesthetics business because It was all about understanding financials and things like that. Um, But, you know, you know, I started my aesthetics career at Metasys. And, you know, for those who don't know who Metasys is, Metasys is actually the company that launched Restylane out in the market and and Perlane, which is now called Lyft and Disport. And I was an individual contributor. I had only been in sales and medical sales for a short period of time. And I really loved it because it married my, you know, my love of kind of understanding medical, but also being able to really work with customers and seeing their business grow and being really a part of their practice. Um, So I loved that. Um, And I did that for quite some time. It was fantastic launching Restylane, which is an amazing product. And I did that for seven years with Metasys and was involved in lots of different projects there and decided that I wanted to keep you know, growing my, you know, curiosity for aesthetics in the business. And then I went into surgical. So people always ask me, well, why didn't you just stay at Metasys? Or, you know, why didn't you go into management then? I just knew for myself that I wasn't ready to go into management. I wanted to be an individual contributor. And I wanted to really learn all aspects of the aesthetic market. And as you know, the aesthetic market is very diverse and very different in each segment. And so I wanted to get that that surgical um, background and understand the surgical market and capital equipment market. And then it just kept going, going from there. And now I'm like, wow, I can't believe I've been in the market for 20, for 20 years. And the market's changed so much and it's always evolving, always evolving. One of the things that 
is unique about your background is you have worked as an individual contributor, as in management, in the injectable side of the business, in the OR side of the business. What are some of the similarities and differences amongst the different segments in medical aesthetics? Because it is very different than your traditional pharmaceutical capital equipment type background. So tell us a little bit about that. No, absolutely. I mean, I would say the similarities with aesthetics is, first of all, I think customer service for anything is number one. And understanding and remembering that the customers, it is medical. And so you need to understand the clinical, the scientific, there's regulatory, there's guidelines, but also that the customers are paying for it out of their pocket and their cut. And then their patients are also paying for it out of their pocket. So there's almost like more of this fiduciary obligation too. And that's no matter what you're selling and aesthetics and understanding that um, if they're purchasing something that, you know, you're really obligated to train them, make sure that they are, you know, very well versed on your product um, so that they can also do the best for their patients um, who are, you know, calling them and wanting to see like, I spent this much money on this product. You know, I want to make sure that it's working. And so there's that obligation, no matter what you're doing in medical aesthetics. Um, I would say the differences in, in aesthetics from, you know, injectables to surgical is just, is really just understanding the practice that you're calling on. So medical aesthetics, what's interesting versus, you know, if you're selling like a urology product, you're only calling on urologists. Medical aesthetics is a wide range of specialties. So you have your core, which is your dermatologist, your facial plastics, your plastic surgeons, and they all run their businesses very differently. They come from different mindsets. And the what's involved um, is also like very different. So they say, when I went from injectables to uh, surgical sales, so I had implants. And at that time, it's there was the aesthetic side, but there's also the reconstruction side where you're on hospitals. But on the aesthetic side, you have to understand all the other costs associated and the time that goes into things and how do they figure out different sizes, all sorts of different things. And, you know, there's OR time and a number of different things that it's just a different just a different segment of business. So the mindset is very different and understanding how they're pricing things for their patients, you know, what their patients are asking for. And also, is it something that's permanent? Is it something that's temporary? Um, It's, those are the things that you have to really look at that are very, you know, different. And also when I was in surgical sales, you also have emergencies that you don't have an injectable because, say for a breast implant, whether it's reconstruction or cosmetic, you never know what's happening, you know, when the surgeon goes in and maybe they need something different. So if you're someone who doesn't want to be called and say, I have a patient that's going to be on the table, I need to change an implant. I need you to find this particular implant. It might not be the best thing for you because that can be nerve wracking for some people. So surgical can be a lot more um, of a pivot for people and you're on call, um, not to the same extent that you are for trauma, but that cell phone there, you've got to react very, very quickly. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think some of the key things as you know, and I would say, and you worked in skincare for a long time, I think some of the skincare 
reps are some of my favorite because you have to differentiate yourself in a really big marketplace and how do you set yourself apart and and really make sure that your customers know this is this is the right product for their patients and that but also remembering that these are still patients they're not customers going into sephora or something it's still patients so if they're going to have a reaction you've got to prepare and it's still medicine it's aesthetics but it's still medicine and that i think is the most important thing like for everybody to always no matter what segment of aesthetics they want to go into it's still patients there was one thing that i remember that was a differentiator for skincare is you're competing, you ha- your, com- your competition is on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. The first one is, is your patients either have a choice to go to Sephora, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom's to right. get product or online or the influencer that they follow or any celebrity out there that's now has a skincare line. So there's that avenue. Right. Then, then once you convince the physician that there's value in bringing skincare into the office, then there's probably 25 different skincare brands that they can then bring into the office. And then from there, <laughs> you're suggesting why is ours the best? And then in, in addition to that, why should every single patient be going home with that skincare product? So there's multiple layers to that sales process, depending on where that physician is when it comes to bringing in a product and choosing the product that's right for their practice. No, absolutely. And, you know, in skincare in particular, I used to tell people, I'm like, okay, if you're doing a facelift, they've invested all this money for a facelift or laser treatments. You've got to manage that investment and skincare is the best way to do that. But it's also one of the best ways to be preventative so that you can push off those really expensive procedures down the road. And it also brings in, you know, for, you know, a customer, it brings in, you know, it's, it's bringing in a different clientele. And I think in aesthetics, it's about even for the customers and, you know, our physicians, it's having a diverse mix of patients in their practice too, that are coming in for different things. Maybe they're just starting off with, okay, I want to, you know, I'm just diet dipping my toe into aesthetics. What are the things I, what are the things I can do um, to maybe hold off on doing some injectables down the road, but I, you know, I want to feel good. I, you know, I want to, you know, you know, make sure I'm doing all the right things to keep my skin looking great so that I don't have to do a facelift or something else sooner versus later. That's what I say. I say I started Botox when I was 30 years old and everyone goes, wow, you started young. Yeah, because I don't, I want to be preventative. I don't, right. I, I know that maybe eventually, because I care about the aesthetics of how I look, but I maybe don't want to get a facelift at 40 years old, maybe only 50, 60, whatever it is. But if you right. take good care of the health of your skin now, absolutely, then that's, what's going to set you up for success in the long run. It's like eating well too. It's like mm-hmm. what you're putting in your body. It's like taking care of yourself. So that down the road, you know, you know, things aren't falling apart. It's, um, you know, you've got to take care of your house. It's not, you know, it's preventative. It's, you know, doing all the things right from the start. And which has been the most wonderful thing to see that the evolution of the aesthetics market in general is that people, I think, just like in general healthcare, where they're doing things earlier to take care of themselves which I think is phenomenal. And I think there's really good education out there, really good education out there. 
Yeah, there definitely is. And I, I like how we're moving more towards this preventative movement versus reactive type treatments and whether it's right. aesthetics or, or medical. So you are now in a West area director role and you yeah. have built teams where you're leading teams of individual contributors mm-hmm. as well as leading first level leaders. So mm-hmm. And you've built them from the ground up too. You've either taken over teams or built from the ground up. So what are some of the things that you look for when it comes to the people that you're bringing onto your team? What are the qualities that you look for? Sure. And, you know, and there's some things that I look for the same, whether it's an individual contributor, sales rep, or a manager. And, you know, I'll just talk about my most recent experience at Endo, which has been phenomenal. And um, it was great to be able to build something from the ground up. And so first and foremost, the management team is really kind of the heart. I always think that they're just the heart of everything. And, you know, we've all heard the, you know, adage that people don't leave companies, they, you know, they leave leaders. And I do believe that that's true. And so when I came on here, one of the most important things was I, I need to hire. That's the most important hire that I can make. And I take a lot of time. So a couple of things that I look for in managers is somebody who doesn't let their ego get ahead of them. Because when you go into a management or the higher you go, it's not really about you as much anymore. It's about your team. And I'm looking at people who are authentic, that they care about their team, that they're strategic, but I'm also looking for people, you know, obviously I want them to have a a record of success. Uh, But I'm also looking for people that, are not afraid to hire people that are different than them. And I think the best managers are those that hire the right people for that position, that territory, that market area. And they're just looking at what's right for the customer. What's, you know, will they be successful? Is this the right role for them? So I'm really looking at people who and and that part of that's putting your ego aside because being a leader is not about being boss. It's about getting a group of people to um, an end result and motivating and coaching and pulling them all together. So I look for people who really, you know, they, they want to do this because one, they care about their team and they are not, they're not afraid to be wrong too, because we're all wrong at some point. And it's, you know, it's about pulling everybody together. Um, and, and, you know, getting, getting a fantastic result, but I think the empathy, the drive being strategic. And I think someone who leads by example, that's the most important thing to me. I'd say someone who leads by example, you can't expect things, people to do things for you that you're not doing for the team and people that aren't afraid to get their, their hands dirty as well. That was one thing, one quality when my husband, so my husband joined the military at 32 Mm -hmm. years old, eight months after he got married. And, and one of, I'll never forget when he was talking about one of the leaders that was most influential at basic training. So he's 32 years old. And most of the people that are going through basic with him are 18 years old, you know, early twenties. And he said, he'll always remember the person that got the leader that got the drill sergeant that got in the trenches with them. And this is somebody who's been in basic, has, has already served several years of their time, but is still getting in the trenches 
with these newer members, because it's, I'm not going to ask you anything that either I haven't done myself, but I'm also going to go along with you through this process and be that boost of motivation and be there to support you and link arms with you and go through the trenches with you. Absolutely. And, and it's sometimes it's, and you need people too, that are going to have tough conversations because unfortunately, you know, as leaders, you know, your favorite is when you can have those fantastic conversations about how well someone's doing, but you also have to have tough conversations. And I think that you kind of have an obligation. People want to be developed, you know, and I, if you really want someone to succeed, then sometimes you've got to sit down and really be real with them. But part of that's first, you've got to build the trust because your team needs to know that, you know, you have their back that you are, you know, there to help them. It's not about you. It's about, you know, their success, but that, you know, but that you, but they also have to trust that you're going to be open and honest with them too. And part of that is sometimes just sitting down going, Hey, listen, you know, we got it. What's going on here, but digging in and, and, you know, first you've got to come from a place of understanding, like what's going on. And, you know, and, you know, and you and I have talked before, I mean, you can't want something more than somebody else wants it too. I mean, no matter how great of a leader you are, you just can't, and you will, you know, zap all of your energy. But, you know, if you know that someone's got that drive and energy, like, I feel it's a personal obligation to help coach and develop them, even though the conversations sometimes are not tough, but it should be coming from a place of you want to see them do well. And, you know, that they want to do well too. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said where your manager and your leader can show you the way, can give you guidance right. on what steps to take to get to where you want to go and help provide some clarity around that. Yeah. And what steps that work, the avoid the ones that don't ultimately, when it comes to accelerating your career, when it comes to getting promoted, taking that next level, mm-hmm. it's going to come down to you doing the work. Absolutely. It's, it's about, yeah, it's about ownership. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, when I look at, you know, and and here and, you know, and in most places that I've worked, I mean, even when I'm hiring, we're hiring reps, you know, the managers, you know, it's ultimately their decision, but, you know, we do a lot of panel interviews one, because, you know, we want, you know, it's good to have a, a lot of different eyes and, and also it's good for the person being interviewed. Like I know that if I'm going to make a change and go to another company, I want to kind of see not just the person I'm working for directly, but what's the company about. But one thing, you know, especially, you know, hiring people here, but also um, at every company is that I always look for the things that you can't train. And that's one, number one is a sense of ownership, right? You know, as a company, we have an obligation to train you and do all these things, but there's also an ownership that you have, whether you're a medical sales, aesthetics, or anything you do, you're ultimately also responsible. And I, I tell this to my son, I said, you know what, you're going to have good teachers. You're going to have bad teachers. You're going to have great bosses and bad bosses. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for the result. Um, so, you know, and sometimes you've got to do some things on your, but you have to own it too. Um, you know, you have to own your own success. So I look at an ownership, whether someone has experience or not, I, I look at, you know, what's kind of the story of their history, whether, you know, and I think a lot of people in aesthetics go, oh, you just want to hire people in aesthetics. Like not necessarily. Sometimes, 
you know, hiring someone who's been in aesthetics or one role for a very long time, you know, you wonder, okay, can I, can they look outside of, out of the box? Can they do things differently? I'm looking for people who always like take ownership. They're in charge of their own development as well. And when they wanted to do something or grow, they ask, you know, they, they speak to their manager. Um, also people that are self-aware too. And, um, I always ask people, I say, you know, what are, you know, what are, you know, two things that, you know, your current boss would say are fantastic about you and what's one area of development. And one thing, the caveat I always put out, I go, listen, everybody's got an area of development. There's nobody, there's no people at the top of their game always have area development. It's knowing that you have an area development and then, and then back to the ownership. And then what are you doing to, you know, to grow in that area? Because I think self-awareness is incredibly important. It's important for customers. It's important, you know, for if someone's coachable. Um, so those are the things I'm always looking for things that you can't, you can't train and drive. You can't, you cannot, you know, you can't create drive. You can't create motivation. Um, you know, you can help it grow. You can foster it, but someone who is really, who really cares about the customers who is seeking to understand and who's a problem solver. And they sound so generic and basic, but it's shocking how many people come to interviews and they don't, they don't have that. And, you know, those things will make you successful in the long term because you're going to have ups and downs in a company. There's not a single company out there. But there's not an up and down. So you're looking at people who take ownership, take drive, you know, can pivot and have a great attitude. And for me, the one thing I will, you know, we always look at what do you look for? The things I are my absolute nose is no drama and no ego. If you've been number one somewhere, that's great. But if you're bringing an ego that's bigger than life and that's the most important thing, that's going to be destructive to the team. And at the end of the day, we're all still responsible for doing the right thing. And, you know, you don't get a pass because you're number one. So I, so the ego is the no and um, everything else. It's just like, you're just looking for that individual person. And, and if they're, if, you know, and, you know, do they care about the customers? We will be right back to today's episode. Whether you want to get a promotion, find a new job, increase your sales performance, the feeling of clarity on how to accelerate your career is priceless. The risk of uncertainty is missing out on promotions, lacking leadership experience, unclear on how to break through that glass ceiling. You're left feeling stuck, frustrated, and discouraged. 74% of employees feel like they're not achieving their full potential because of lack of development opportunities. It becomes a lot easier to get there when you know where you're going. How would you feel if you knew exactly where to go and how to get there? With 15 years of experience in corporate America and a certified leadership coach, I've helped thousands of professionals transform their mind from self-doubt to confidence and courage and gain clarity on how to accelerate their career. I invite you to go to my website, daniellecobo.com, that's C-O-B-O, and schedule your career discovery session with me. Thanks for tuning in and back to today's episode. So one of the things that when people would often ask me in hiring, 
I only hired, I think in my seven years as a hiring manager, two people from aesthetics. Yeah. And and it was interesting because a lot of these, I still see companies or I still see hiring managers going, I want aesthetic experience or they're, or they're hiring managers in dental. And I want this specific experience. And what happens is, is you're not bringing diversity to that team. Yeah. And one of the things that I always, that I, I work with hiring managers when they're building out their teams is look for those intangible characteristics, yeah. drive motivation, uh, teamwork, collaboration, adaptability. I mean, especially through this pandemic, that is an extremely valuable characteristic to have and empathy. You can teach somebody the industry. You can teach them the products. You can teach them the industry. All of that's teachable. You can't teach somebody to wake up in the morning and say, I want to make a difference. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and something you said there too, some of the most successful people that I've hired are the ones that had very little aesthetic experience or no aesthetic experience, but they had this drive and energy and they wanted to figure things out and they didn't come with any preconceived notions too, because I think that's one thing I look at too is, and, and I think doing so many diverse things in aesthetics is that you know, what made me successful one place is not necessarily going to make me successful here. There are things that you can pull from just like any role that you've ever had, but you have to look at that particular role and go, okay, what do I need to do to be successful in this role and come at it with fresh new eyes. And so sometimes hiring someone from outside of aesthetics is a new fresh set of eyes because this market is still fairly young. I mean, it's evolved so much. But the only way you move forward is by having diverse experience and people who aren't afraid to do things differently. And, you know, gets back to, you know, when you're building the team, you don't want everybody to be the same because you're going to become stagnant and you want people that challenge each other in a positive way. And, you know, when we were hiring our teams, we would all meet and we're like, okay, if you've got this position open, what do you feel is like missing from your team? You've got someone who's just amazing in marketing or has brought this type of experience. Like what's missing from your team? Because you want to give everybody an opportunity to grow and you grow from people who are different, not from being around the the people that are all the same. And this was something that we had talked about kind of jumping in before getting into this episode is Mm -hmm. you've worked for brands that are very well established when it comes Mm -hmm. to the portfolio of their products. And now you're working for a brand where you're completely making a new segment and that in itself, thinking about the skill sets that are, that really help people thrive in different roles, whether it's capital equipment, OR sales, skincare sales, injectable. Okay. Now let's also talk about, is this a very well-established brand? Is this a newer brand? Is this a completely new segment market where that's going to, that's really going to take new skill sets, people that can thrive in launching new products or come up with creative ideas and can pivot very quickly as you're creating that new segment. And those are some skill sets to look at as well. So it's not a, just a one approach, uh, one size fits right. all. There's so many. And I think you, you've said this before is really understanding the needs of the customers, the territory and the organization. And it may be different from one company, one role to another. 
Absolutely. And I think the other thing too, is, you know, not going in, you know, because, you know, you've been in aesthetics and I think there are, you know, sometimes laser capital equipment, they can get a bad rap or, you know, everyone's pigeonholed, right. And which is terrible, but every single segment, somebody brings something to that market. And in our teams, we have a mix of everything, aesthetics, not aesthetics, capital equipment, skincare, everything. But what you're looking for, especially when, you know, like what we're doing now is, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, building a new segment. I mean, I tell people, I'm like, listen, Botox and Restylane, it, it wasn't like everything was just flying off the shelf from the beginning. People were like, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting that in. And it's never easy to launch in a new market. It's exciting, but it takes a different type of personality and it's okay if it's not for you some people would much rather go into a market that's just established and they're kind of managing their customers maybe growing the market a little bit but when you're going in and it's something very new and you know you know you know example for example cellulite not everyone understands cellulite many women think it's their fault which it's not um and 90 percent of women have it but there's a there's a a lot of education to the market. So when you're hiring people, you're looking at, um, I really dig in to, okay, what's the hardest thing that you've ever, you know, had to launch or what's been the most challenging part of your career and how did you get through that? Cause there's going to be ups and downs, you know, with a launch and, you know, and kind of what gets you out of bed, you know, every day. And, you know, I think people forget, like, it's okay if, this certain position is not the right thing for you. It's also recognizing when you go in to interview and you're like, oh, I want to be in aesthetics or I want to go to this other company that viewing it as if you, okay, what do I need to do to be successful in this role? Um, And looking at it completely different and doing your research. And that's one thing I look for in candidates. I'm like, what's the research that you've done? Like, how do you know this is what you want to do? You know, you want people that are not obviously not running from something, they're running to something, but they know that, you know, are they going in with their eyes wide open as well? Um, so it's, it launching is a lot different than something that's established, um, or even just a segment that's established, even launching a new skincare product, at least skincare, you're like, okay, people know how to deal with it. You've got to establish you know, why your product's different, which is a whole other set of challenges. And, you know, but it's also like, if you're just building the segment and really getting people to understand like a completely different modality or how to do something completely different, it's, you know, who you target as a customer is different, how you manage those customers, everything is completely different. So, and it, this is, this really speaks to going into the interview when you are interviewing for a new role, mm-hmm. a new company, really understanding the business, because I know that I have helped several people interview yeah. through the end, the, through the process with endo aesthetics yeah. and some other companies in the aesthetic market. And a lot of the conversations we have is around your marketing plan and your business plan mm-hmm. and really going into that strategy, because 
when you're launching a new product, you're looking at the segments of, okay, who are your innovators, your early adopters, your majority adopters, your late adopters, and who's never probably going to jump on the bandwagon. So, and having a strategy for each of those, or if you have an existing well-marketed brand, then how are you going to position yourself differently than some of the other competitors out there? And every single Every single medical company, every single, and even in the aesthetics, even though it's an aesthetic industry, Uh what you bring to the table in your interview is going to be different when you're working with Indo, when you're working with Allergan, when you're working with um, Galderma, MERS, all that. And that's a lot of where I focus a lot of time with my clients on is let's build the strategy and the marketing strategy really strong. Because if you can go in and you can show them that you understand this business, you are the top candidate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's doing your, it's doing your research, not only for yourself, because you want to, you want to be successful in whatever role you're going after. So you want to do your research to make sure you understand because it's not the company's responsibility to make you successful. It's your own responsibility to make you successful. And it could be things from, you know, territory size. I mean, you're going to a facial filler injectable company, their territories may be very small, and that might, for your personality, your lifestyle, what have you, be much better to manage. But, you know, other markets, you can go to skincare, surgical, you know, the territories are much larger. Maybe it's fewer customers, but it's really, you have to look at the entire scope and then doing that research, then going, okay, how would I tackle this to be successful? How would I manage this? How, if you're bringing on, like you have no established customers, who am I going to go after and why am I going to go after them? And, you know, they might be a great thought leader for a facial injectable, but if they don't do anything with the body, is that the right person to go after? Or is it going to be much more difficult to get them up and running? So, you know, you're looking for people who are really kind of thinking and processing because, and every customer in aesthetics is different and you've got to do research on each one of your customers. So, back to what you're saying, like, I'm looking for people who at least like did their research, because if they're going to go out and feel, I feel like I always feel an obligation to make sure we're putting the best people out there for our customers. Cause that's our reputation, right? They don't, you know, when they, and, and, and I think it's important for people who are wanting to go into sales or go into a different role in aesthetics is realize that you're representing that company. So if you're not doing your job, well, that's a reflection on, on all of us. And I've always taken that, you know, to heart, you know, and no matter what, no matter what role I'm in, but make sure you're doing your research because you should be doing your research on your customers too, to make sure you understand their business and how your product fits into their business. And if it makes sense, you know, if it makes sense for them too, So what you do in the interview is also telling people, how are you going to be in the field? This is your best showing. Mm -hmm. And that, that really does. I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that interviewing is such a small step of really setting yourself Mm -hmm. up for success in the long term, because I'll work with clients and we go through the whole strategy and get put together this business plan. And now it's like, okay, well now you got the job and now what? That's when the deep dive goes into, okay, let's look at your territory. Let's do a SWOT analysis. Let's look at contribution margin. Let's look at where, you know, where are you going to spend your time and here? It's so much strategy in this business and setting yourself up for success. And when you've 
when you have a clear understanding of where the opportunities are and how you can work smarter versus harder and adding value every step of the way, that's what success is. I 100% agree. And I tell people all every day, I go, I don't care if you went to work at 10 and you came home at three, it's about, you know, what was the output? What, you know, are, are you successful? It's about being efficient. It's not about, you know, cause y'all people go, Oh, I work so hard. I work so many hours. I'm like, but are you effective? And part of that is taking a step back and being really strategic about what you're doing. And that takes a lot of time in aesthetics. And I always am looking for the strategy. I'm like, okay, what's your strategy? How are you going to go tackle this? I don't expect you to have all the answers because you haven't been trained on everything in the company, but I want to kind of see how you went about it. So I always dig in when I, you know, with people like work, no matter where they worked, I'm like, okay, well, what made you successful? How did you go after new customers? How did you do this? And not necessarily looking at, oh, just, you know, aesthetics, I'm looking at how do they process to make sure that they're successful. And I think that's the thing that people just forget all the time is there's so much strategy involved in this business, mm-hmm. so much strategy. And it's not like a disease state where you're like, okay, there's this many patients that come in your door that, you know, need to come in and, you know, have this prescription um, written for them. It's, it's a completely different animal. It's a completely different animal. And you have to have, you know, the medical hat, but you have to have that business hat. And you also have, and every practice runs very differently too. And so you have to figure out, okay, what's going to work for this individual practice too. So you've got to be a chameleon. I'm extremely grateful for the years of experience and what I learned working Mm -hmm. in aesthetics, because that really was the foundation of understanding how to be successful in growing a business. Most entrepreneurs don't build a six figure business within the first five years, but when you're able to do it within the first years, because you're able to understand the strategy and what it takes to be successful and being smart as to the foundation that you're laying, that all came from the experience and aesthetics. So it is the core of the business. It really is. And it's funny because everyone's, you know, people want to get in there like, oh, it's glamorous. It's this. I'm like, listen, aesthetics is great, but it's business and it's, and it's medicine, but it's really hard work. You work very you know, you work incredibly hard and, you know, and the whole goal is to build a long-term successful business and, you know, and for the customers too, because it, it affects, you know, you know, it, and, and your reputation too. So when people want to hop to different aesthetic companies, I mean, it's a small world too. And so your reputation is everything. And there's so much value that you can bring, you know, to your, you know, your business, your practice and, and, you know, and I tell people, go, listen, you don't have to be Einstein, but you have to listen, you have to research and you have to, you have to seek to understand too, number one. And if you're just going and doing your own thing and never taking a step back long-term, it's, you're going to run into struggles. Um, and, but it's a great industry because it's always evolving too. Um, it's always evolving and, 
you know, there's a lot of people that depend on you because you know your thing, things better than anybody else. And there's nothing better to see a practice that you first bring something into. And, you know, you really train them well and they're getting really good outcomes and they feel really confident. But, um, you know, it, it's a, it can be a very satisfying business too. But it's, it's like anything, it's ups and downs. And when the markets go up and down, that business goes down too. And you, you know, you have to be able to pivot, you know, for your customers as well. Well, we've talked from everything from how to get into aesthetics and different qualities that you look for in people that you're bringing onto your team. We've also talked about how to be successful in sales. And we've also talked about, uh, some of the skills that you look for when it comes to promoting yeah. people into leadership type roles. So a lot to compact in this yeah, episode, <laughs> which I'm extremely grateful for. I could talk to you for hours. I love, I love the conversation that we have. What are three things that you want to leave our listeners with that maybe they could potentially implement walking away from our conversation today? Sure. Uh, well, I'd say the number one, and I have to say, cause I got this from Kelly Ferrer, who, you know, I know I, she was one of my favorite leaders I've ever had. And she is, one of the most empowering leaders I've had, which by the way, it's the first day of like, uh, women in history, um, women's history month, but she always said, be your true authentic self. And I think it's really important is one, be authentic just in general. It's sales, but you don't have to be salesy, be authentic and be true to who you are as well. And I think whether you're male or female, like don't be something somebody else wants you to be, but I, because it will come across, you can tell when people aren't authentic and they're not comfortable. So number one, be your true authentic self. Um, two, I would say, don't apologize for any lack of experience that you have in a certain area. I think everything that you do in life is, you learn from it and every, you know, everything you've done from a career standpoint. So if you're looking to go into another role, get into aesthetics or anything, I think it's looking at all of the experience that you do have and what have you learned from it? Cause that's the most important thing is how are you growing and how are you developing and never apologize for it and be confident. And I would say, be in charge of your own development too, no matter if you're the number one salesperson, you know, at your company 10 years in a row, that doesn't necessarily mean you deserve a management position because the skills it takes to be a good manager are very different than what it takes to to be a good salesperson. But if you want to be a manager, when I say be in charge of your own development, I mean, like find a mentor, find people you trust, take on projects. Don't wait for everything to come to you because that's just not going to happen. But if you're willing to put in that work, you will find people that will, you know, let you come on to projects who will mentor you, but be in charge of your own development. And if you want something like go for it and don't be shy to go, Hey, can I be part of this? Or how can I learn? Um, because, you know, every, you know, we, nobody owes anybody anything. Um, but if you want to move forward, it's the best way. It's the best way to do it. It's the best way to do it is be in charge of your own development. So that, that, that I think is the most important piece of advice that I can get. That is excellent advice. And for those of you that are listening, really asking yourself, 
How would you feel if you had clarity on where you want to go in your career? And what would it look like if you knew exactly what steps to take and what to avoid? Because if you can have somebody that you can lean on, that you can have open, open, authentic conversations with and can guide you through the process and bounce ideas off of, I mean, I've always had a mentor throughout Mm -hmm. my entire career. I have a business coach now and I will always, um, and I'll always invest in personal development because I know if there's certain areas in my business or in my life or my career that I want to achieve, then it's a matter of investing the time And when you invest in time and having a foundation and you know what works and what doesn't, that's, what's going to get you faster there. Absolutely. And especially if you've got a mentor who, cause you want a mentor who wants to see you do well, but is also going to be honest with you because you've Mm -hmm. got to be open to really good feedback and, and anything in your career, you've got to be open to feedback and that's how you grow and develop and you know, I always, I'm always looking for, you know, new mentors. I'm always asking questions, like be inquisitive, you know, that's, that's how you learn. That's how you learn. So, and you know it, and don't be afraid to get outside of your comfort zone too, and ask a lot of questions. And I think you'd find that, you know, some people are like, how do I get a mentor? Look at people that you respect. And I think a lot of times if you just ask, they'd be very honored. Um, They'd be really honored you know, to be a mentor to you, but definitely someone you trust and someone who will give you really good, honest feedback as well. And is you know, and is looking out for your best interest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Amanda. You shared very valuable insights. I know our listeners are probably going to be, if you're driving right now, then ensure that when you get to your destination, listen to this episode again, take some notes. Of course, I will include um, some of the highlights in our show notes. You can click on there, but thank you so much for joining. Yeah, it was great to see you, Danielle. Yes. Well, for those of you that are listening, I invite you. This is obviously a great episode for anybody who is looking to take that next step in their career, whether it's in sales performance or in their uh, stepping up into a leadership type role or getting a new job. So share this episode with your friends, your peers, be that person that sets them up for success and inspires them. So share the episode. And of course, I'd love it for if you were to write a review that would mean the world to me. I'd love to hear what you guys are taking away from each episode and what um, you see as the most insightful from each episode. So thank you for tuning in and create an intentional day. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.